Welcome to Without the Footnotes with me, your host, Esther Rooney. On this week's episode, I speak to photographer Sam Churchill. Hi friends and welcome back to Without the Footnotes, not your typical Holocaust lecture. This week I have recorded a special episode. I've invited my friend Sam, who is a photographer, who amongst other things works with March of the Living UK, an organisation that I myself have also worked with. And over the last decade he has photographed Holocaust survivors predominantly on their return to sites of memory in Poland and Germany. And the reason I've invited Sam on is because we are hosting a workshop together at Histocon in Berlin this year that focuses on the future of Holocaust commemoration. We've curated this workshop to centre around Holocaust survivor Eric Hirsch, a person who is very dear to both of us and has also inspired us to work in the ways that we do when it comes to Holocaust education and commemoration. Now, I don't want to go into too much depth here uh, in the intro, as I'll let Sam speak for himself, but I hope that you enjoy some insight into his field of work and his experiences specifically with Eric. So without further ado, let's just crack on with the episode. Hi Sam, welcome to Without the Footnotes. Thanks for being on the episode today. Um, I'm just going to jump straight in with the first question and ask you how you came to work with Eric and yeah, how did you meet? So I met Eric uh, on a trip called March of the Living, which is a charity uh, that works with survivors to educate young people about the Holocaust. Um, And I was in Poland and I was taking photographs on the trip and Eric saw me with my camera in my hand in an official capacity and he approached me and he said the dream thing that any photographer wants to hear which is are you going to take my picture and when any subject says that to you you think okay fantastic you know great I've got something to work with and somebody who wants to be photographed and wants to have their story told Um, so we immediately I warmed to him because we had this brilliant connection um immediately I warmed to him and um I found that when he was in front of the camera he has this uh energy that just he can communicate so much um and you know a lot of survivors uh have it but there's something about Eric it's not just the pain it's also who he is as a person and how strong he is as a man um, because you know we met 10 years ago and he he was a strong a strong guy then and he I remember you know there are some shots of him in shirt sleeves and he he looks you know he was probably 83 84 then but he looked strong and he he always looked like he could handle himself you know so and he always had an eye for a photograph and he'd always do what whatever I asked him and wherever I asked him to walk and you know, whatever scenario I would pitch to him, it was never a no, it was never I'll think about it. It was always a yeah, let's go and let's do it. Um, And that's just one of the fantastic things about working with Erica. I know that's not the question you asked me, but um, that's that's sort of... 
it's all part of it because I think I can relate as well because I met Eric when I was 17. So what's that? 15, 16 years ago now. And I feel like he has yeah. the same energy as back then when he would have been much younger as he did like the last time. I mean, we just saw him in in Poland this year in April. Um, he mm. still ha- very much has that presence, but also that energy to be forthcoming and like want still wanting to be as involved and like as, um, yeah, I guess the, just that he has the same like vigor and passion for what he's doing as when I met him as a teenager. So I completely understand what you mean um, that he's been fantastic to work with because I can imagine that that energy he's like maintained over the last decade, really. Definitely, definitely. And it might it might be a strange thing to hear when talking about a Holocaust survivor, but he does have this, as you say, this energy and this magnetism, um, which means that whenever we're on a trip together, I always, you know, inevitably we kind of end up seeking each other out because it's, a, it, it's become something that he's always said to me every year when we've been in Poland. He's always said to me, are you going to take my picture? Um, and it was really, really difficult because this year um, he saw me, but he didn't know who I was, his memories going. And I introduced myself and he said to me, are you going to take my picture? And we'd kind of come full circle. And I said, yes, I, I am going to take your picture, Eric. But it was really difficult kind of having known him for 10 years and, and then getting to that point where, you know, realizing um, this is probably one of the last times, if not the last time, um, he was going to be in Auschwitz. Certainly, we were going to be there together. Um, and his wife said to me, you know, he, this is his last time. He won't be coming back. Um, but it was, yeah, it was a really difficult kind of year for me because I guess I was also, um, I've spent the last 10 years pretending that maybe we're not going to get to this point, which is ridiculous because that is what this project is about. So I, of course, I know it subconsciously, but, um, you know, it's a really painful thing to have to come to terms with to go, actually, this is, you know, this is the year. And there are, we do work with some other wonderful survivors who we come back with, but, you know, Eric, I've become so close to him and I know you have as well. Um, so that was a really hard, hard kind of reality to face that this, this, this was it with Eric. We've, we've done our time together and the story is not finished. The story will continue to be told because I intend to continue telling that story. But our story together and me photographing him, that's come to an end. Yeah, and I think so often, especially like in commemoration or Holocaust um, education in general, we're always kind of saying, you know, there's this urgency because, you know, we are in the last days of, survivors actually being able to tell their tell their stories for themselves and how do we bear witness in the future but to actually be there with Eric in in Birkenau and to hear like oh this is the last time is it's just you know it's like Marla walking back through the gates of Ravensbrück for the first time and you get to witness it it's just something that you can't it's unparalleled like that we actually get to be the ones who stand there and go, okay, so we witnessed this for the last time. So now we have a responsibility to then go forward and, and keep Eric's testimony alive. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a very, it's a challenge of itself, but one that I think uh, 
Arik in general makes particularly easy just because of the the kind of person that he is and the way that he has told um, his story over the years and the outreach that he's had. But with mm. that being said, I want to ask you if there's any particularly poignant or rememberable moments with him that where it has just been like you and him because I think often I see survivors um and I'm watching from a large audience but obviously as a photographer it's very it it can be at times very intimate and I was just wondering how that has kind of gone over the years for you it is it is a very intimate thing and it's a very strange thing because um as a photographer, you know, there's, there are some people who believe that you're stealing a bit of somebody's soul when you're taking their picture. And it can sometimes feel a little bit like that when you're with Holocaust survivors. Um, because inevitably, some of them do become quite emotional. And I don't want to sound cynical, but emotion is really good for photography because people want to feel something when they look at a photograph you know it's you're you're trying to encompass so much particularly when you're in a place like um like Auschwitz and we were actually we were in Majdanek together um and he was very emotional um and he it you know there's there's nothing at Belzettes what did I say Majdanek sorry we were in Belzettes so we were we were in Belzettes together, and um, he was very very emotional um, at the sight of uh, the sight of remembrance. It was obviously an extermination camp, and now it's uh, a, a big memorial on the site where the where this camp was. And um, we took a walk together, and he was he was in tears, and I was photographing him. And I was also in tears, but I was I was behind the camera, kind of I could feel myself crying into my camera, and it it was a very it, it will always stay with me that moment. It's the photograph um, of him in the flat cap, and you can see that he's got tears in his eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it was also the first time that I'd seen Eric emotional, because he is such a positive man. And he's, he's talked about how after surviving what he went through, he's made a point of living his life from a place of joy and enjoying each day. And that, you know, you can really feel that with Eric when you're spending time with him. He's not somebody who, um, who I think, you know, he tells the story in a very serious manner, but he doesn't always become emotional with it. So having that quiet moment where it was just me and him, um, and, be, and being able to take his photograph, it took me a second to actually raise my camera because I wasn't sure if I should photograph it. It was about seven years ago and I, it was quite early on. And I wasn't sure what, if this moment, was it just for him? Was he comfortable with me capturing it? And he was, he was completely comfortable with it. And he's always, uh, I feel we've always had a really good relationship and a trusting relationship of the subject and the photographer. Um, but it was that, yeah, seeing him emotional for the first time, that was very, very, um, will always stay with me that moment. Um, and then we were walking through my Danek together 
and I, I, when we're in the camps, it feels, when we're in the camps and it's just me and him, sometimes we talk about the Holocaust, sometimes we don't. I actually quite like to ask him questions about the Holocaust because it feels like the, you know, the, the ideal place to do it. Uh, it. We're both very kind of focused. And he was telling me about first camp that he was in um, when he was about 10. And he was so small that the commandant um, gave him a job uh, cleaning his office. And the commandant would leave food out for him and a little plate of bread. And eventually Eric was actually sent home because he was so small and the commandant thought that he shouldn't be in this camp. It wasn't an extermination camp. And he was telling me this, and I'd heard it before, but he was telling me, I think I'd actually asked him to tell it to me again. And then we went over to some barbed wire where I wanted to take some photographs and a boy approached us with his family. You know, he was probably about 10 years old. I know, I think I know the picture you're talking about. Yeah, and the boy said to Eric, do you have a tattoo? And Eric rolled up his sleeve and said, yes, I do. Um, and it, yeah, it's this photo, it's this moment. And we both kind of looked at each other, having just been talking about Eric being 10 years old, and then this boy who was 10 years old approaching us. And neither of us said anything, but it was, um, again, it was a very, one of these moments that have burnt into your memory as a photographer. And, um, and I got that photo of the boy looking at the, at the, num- at the, at the number, which is, you know, it started to wear away on his arm. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's really remarkable that. Well, it's a story behind the photo, isn't it? Because we can look at those photographs or look at your, your photographs and then make our own assumptions of like what's going on. But then you've had a very, very personal experience capturing that, that, you know, a person who is like removed from that may never get to that story, which I actually think is really important when we are, when we are talking about survivors and like t- telling their testimony, like not only is what they experienced in the Holocaust vital, but also who they were as people and their experiences post. And also the fact that Eric, you know, was going back, doing so much work, like back at the, back at these sites and having these experiences throughout his life that it's, I think, important for us all to know those kinds of things too, because it kind of, it humanizes it more in like personally, I personally think. Um, So I'm just curious what it means to you to be able to work with survivors and why you photograph them or why you think it's important to do it. Okay, it's a real cliched answer, but it's a privilege to be able to work with survivors. It's such a privilege to not only to be able to photograph them, but also to go back to these sites of memory with them because it takes so much of their emotional and physical energy to return to these places. And not only that, but to tell their stories in these places, and not only that, but to go for a walk with me or to sit for a portrait with me, you know, every, everything takes its toll. And um, to be able to be in Poland with them whilst they're doing that, um, it's, 
definitely one of the privileges of my life. You know, it means so, so much to me. Um, I, I think because of the way the Holocaust affected my family, um, my great grandparents perished in, in Poland. They were from Aust uh, Austria um, and they were deported in 1942. So it's always, the Holocaust has always been this specter, this shadow cast over my family and me in particular. I've become the sort of his historical gatekeeper of my family story. And I think this has been my way of being able to engage with that and address it and kind of come to terms with it, is to go back with survivors, to photograph them, to tell their stories, and probably most importantly, to learn and to listen, you know, just to be able to hear them, to, to be able to be in Auschwitz with Eric and say, that's where I came in. That's where I got off the train. That's where I jumped from one queue to another to avoid walking into a gas chamber. You know, those are all moments that, uh, those were all moments that even watching it on TV or listening to it on the radio or in a documentary, you know, nothing can compare to being in those places and seeing it with your own eyes and actually understanding that this happened 80 years ago. This happened to all of these people in our lifetimes. Um, that's, that's why I do it, just to listen and to learn and to be able to pass on uh, all of those stories to the next generation and to my nephew who will never be able to hear any of this from from their mouths um, I just think it's so valuable so that probably leads me to then ask because there are so many different ways that we can connect to this topic I know that you have a very personal connection given your family history and as you've just explained um but sometimes there are like I would say like more traditional ways that people connect and then kind of art as it were is seen as like not kind of the go-to so I guess I'm curious to know why why photography like why capture these moments in like a single picture uh obviously there are no words with pictures so it's a different kind of testimony um, and it really is down to like the viewer to kind of decide for themselves or like how you want to present it as well like how you would curate I don't know like an exhibition or a book or or what whatever that is but I've always been drawn to your photographs I've certainly never seen in all my years of of uh working in different countries and and in different capacities like museums or whatever I've never seen photographs that have drawn me in the way that yours have because they're very obviously very people focused and that's I think my approach in my work is the same um but quite often with the holocaust the imagery that we know is all the kind of shocking I mean if I asked anybody if they think about the holocaust what do they think about and then you're gonna it's gonna go to like mass graves or these infamous pictures that were taken at the time so yeah, that was a really long way to ask you why why do you document in this specific medium? Yeah, first of all, thank you for those very kind words. Um, you flatter me. I well, for, and secondly, I don't consider it art. I consider it photojournalism. I consider it a form of documentation. I think it goes back to what I said before about 
the strength required. And I really want to capture that. And I really want to show that, that these people are doing something that is so, it's so unbelievable to go back to these places and confront it and then to tell your story. Um, and so much is written, but I think it's not always photographed. Uh, it's not it's not photographed as much, or if it is, it's not photographed in a style that I, you know, it's it's usually told in a very newsy style of a, a newspaper journalist who will turn up with a flash on his camera, and you know, it in a very kind of matter and matter of fact way, which doesn't um, I suppose it doesn't speak to me in the way that uh, I would want to be spoken to. And it doesn't tell that story and it doesn't evoke as much emotion for me. You know, the, the newspaper photo of Arik Hirsch in Auschwitz with the byline underneath. Um, I, I think there's so much emotion loaded with what's happening when they're going back to these places, uh, obviously. Uh, and I just think the photos should reflect that. It shouldn't be matter of fact. I, I, I hopefully uh, have put a bit of weight behind the imagery to, to tell these stories. And I hope, I hope that people will look at them and go, who, who is that? What was his story? He, you know, what's, what's behind that face and what's behind what I'm looking at here? And a photograph of Eric Hirsch walking down the tracks of Birkenau, a place that he was never supposed to leave. And doing that at 92 years old for the last time, for me, that's that's a very very interesting story and one that I I want to tell. Yeah, I mean it's incredibly powerful, and I think not to also sound cliche, but less is more when it comes to that because I think a lot of the time, especially when I'm teaching about the Holocaust or genocide in in general, it's unbelievable at time at times. The majority of the time, the number one question is, but how? And I think actually bringing it back to the people and then portraying them in ways that provokes intrigue into finding out about the person is actually an incredible educational tool. And I think, obviously, I think your photographs in particular do evoke that out of people because, as you said, it is much different than just having your you know, typical kind of press release shot of survivors of, of the Holocaust or other genocides as well as just like kind of a report on them rather than uh, like an investigation truly into who they are. But also having us be active in <laughs> finding out who they are too. Um, it's not yeah. just all given to you on a plate all the time. Yeah, but yeah. I think I think the words are very powerful, and I I want the imagery to do it justice. Uh, and I also actually at this point I want to do a shout out to March of the Living as an organisation because I think that the way that they educate is second to none, and that's actually why I wrote to them ten years ago and said, you know, my family I have um, a family who perished in the Holocaust, and I want to go back and I want to learn about it, but I want to do it in a very historically centered way um and 
that for me is how much of the living does it. They're, they're you know, the educators that do it, um, I think are brilliant. Um, yeah, hundred percent. So- I mean, a special shout out to March of the Living UK <laughs> because that's the trip that we we've, we've yeah. both been on, and they have a very like their team of educators is unlike other other trips. But um, yes, that's also where we have common ground because it was March of the Living UK and going with them that made me want to be an educator, but in a different way. I didn't want to be a professor or work in a university anymore. I wanted to do. Um, yeah, they kind of show, it kind of showed me that you could teach people about the topic in, in much more personable and different different ways. And you're doing it and we're here and we're talking about it. Yeah, now I have a podcast and we also are doing a book. So it's all happening. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I think that is all the questions I have for you today. Thank you for being on the podcast with me. It's kind of weird to sign off on you because like we we still work together. So that's fine. Yeah. Um, no, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Esther. And yeah, a, a privilege to be on your podcast, to be on without the footnotes. What a treat. <laughs> Stop it. Thank you. Um, and I'm just going to ask you, if you have any final thoughts on Arik, um, please do say them now. If not, we'll end it there. Um, I love Arik. I think he's a fantastic man. Yeah. And he's also a friend. Same. I love him too. Bless him. All right. I'll catch you next time. So there you go. That's the end of the special episode. I hope that was interesting for you to listen to. Um, I could have gone on for hours talking about um, Sam's work and also the work that we are doing together as well, which I think is going to be really cool. So watch this space. Um, Of course, I'll put his details in the episode description so that if you want to take a look at his work, you can. And I would highly recommend that you do that. And yeah, as ever... Thank you for listening and please rate, review, subscribe, share the podcast with friends who you think might be interested in it. And that will be all for this week. So I will catch you next time. Ciao.